And we're here in Vegas uh, at Black Hat slash DEF CON, episode 67. Uh, we're all super tired. We've had a few drinks, so this should be a good... Uh, just a few. Just a few. So this should be a good episode. Um, I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host at Seth Law. Seth Law? At Seth Law on Twitter? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Seth Law. Seth Law. So Ken may have had a couple Bob of Law, drinks because we are in Vegas. <laughs> Um, this is episode 67. We're joined today by Stefan and Bobby. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hi. There we go. <laughs> this is going to be super fun. I think I should have said hi, you guys. Yeah, there you should have. They're from Trail of Bits. We should yes. mention that. Yeah. Trail yeah. Bits. yeah so Bobby and I work together on many assessments, yeah. most notably recently the, the Kubernetes one. So. so, yeah, the reason that we wanted to have these guys on today was because they did the Kubernetes assessment. Uh, well, you just wanted me on because I'm personable. And well, Bobby's yeah. Also personable. I mean, obviously, but, you know, at least there was something useful. Just no, something like like never useful. Only never personable. Useful. Only personal. Okay. <laughs> So that's where we're going. Got it. Um, yeah, we're at DEFCON. I guess, I, I don't know, like, we, we can dive right into this it. This was a super impromptu thing. We just decided, like, hey, we're out. We're having a few drinks. <laughs> yeah. This is a really interesting topic. It's really timely. Uh, so we figured we just, yeah, do this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let, let, let's dig into it. So first of all, um, if you haven't seen that on Twitter, there, like, the um, Trail of Bits and Atreides. Yeah. We work with CNCF. CNCF. Yeah. Okay, we're working with CNCF to do a code review and an audit of the Kubernetes code base. And threat model. And threat model. I want to okay. say that because I wrote that, that damn thing. 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 Okay. <laughs> no, it was great. So it apparently awesome. it's important that there's a threat model there, so Stefan had something to do. Exactly. Right? Like he doesn't I'm not just like... pure looks. I also provide threat modeling services. Okay, sweet. So... So, uh, if you want to dig into it, let's let's just talk about you know first of all what it was you did a threat model and like you know, yeah. what what the what the approach was. Um, I know I've read through some of the findings, but I think it'd be interesting to actually discuss yeah. what you found and yeah, we'll go from there. So, so, how long did this take you, by the way? It took us a long time. So, <laughs> the, the SAO discussion with Sean Moyer um, and Atreides, myself, Dan, uh, Guido at at Trevor Bits. Um, that that was October of 2018, Ooh. and in fact, that talked with you because we we had potentially discussed doing some of the threat modeling together yep. and everything. And Aaron, uh, Craig Ingham, who's also on Gin and Juice, yes, yeah, um, uh, Joel from Red Hat, and then we had Jay Beal from In Guardians. Uh, they formed the, the audit working group. They were looking for a third party to actually audit Kubernetes, and uh, so multiple people have come forward. And uh, Sean and Dan got together and decided to do a, a joint assessment of Kubernetes. So uh, they, Kubernetes, the working group wanted three things. They wanted a technical assessment of Kubernetes where it stood, code review, all those sorts of things. They wanted a threat model of Kubernetes itself. And they wanted a white paper, like documenting our experience with, with Kubernetes after the fact. So it wasn't security focused, it was things like we'll get into that Bobby wrote that was just like, this was difficult, it was really hard to understand, and this is what we did to overcome that. Okay. And, and going forward, this is what you know should be done. Okay. So it was cool. It was very interesting, very comprehensive, and honestly, daunting assessment. Yeah. Because one of the mandates we had was to not use anything that is a publicly known vulnerability right now, at, at, in 2018, about, like, you know. And then going forward, it was like, all of the only other vulnerabilities that had come up, none of those are applicable to the assessment that we're doing. So we like watch CDEs roll in. Uh, and there's an asterisk ouch. on that one too, because it's like, 
but we were also scoped explicitly to Kubernetes. Yeah. So no third party, no etcd, no like CNI related things. Yeah. Like, the CNI interface is sure, but like anything that had another name on it was out of scope. So the orchestration, sort of like those types of tools yeah. associated yeah. with Kubernetes, but, that was out of scope, well, so, just Kubernetes that... Well, so orchestration was in scope because of the way that Kubernetes works, but like uh, Kubernetes basically is supposed to run pods, containers, etc. So Kubernetes was in scope, but and Kubernetes interface to say Docker was in scope, but Docker was not in scope itself. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was hard because it was like, the thing that does most of the things that people are going to attack, that's not in SCOTA. Yeah. But the things that run all the things that people would want to do, that's in SCOTA. It's like yep. pen testing an operating system. Yeah. So, so well, you I mean, to, you've got to define that somewhere, right? That's, well, that's, so the, the yeah. working group did do all that. They, they defined six controls, authentication, authorization, multi-tenancy, uh, cryptography, secrets management, you know, they, they had a, a very defined thing, and they also had eight components that they wanted to look at. Okay. And that was it. So they knew what they wanted. It yeah. wasn't like many of our clients that come in, like, we want to, yeah. you know. That never happens. No, come on. Of course oh, not. No, exactly. Yeah. The working group really knew what they wanted from an assessment. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I expect it from that level of a, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that sort of working group is going to be looking for, all right, you know, we know yeah. there's probably, there should be problems or there might be problems absolutely. with these different, you know, domains. So that makes sense. So uh, Ken asked, like, when, when you started, how long did it actually take? Like, what was the... I assume you had to learn Kubernetes first. Like, yeah, that's so, the, like I know that's the the obvious thing, but so, like so for our listeners, what is Kubernetes? Well, <laughs> Kubernetes is a container orchestration system. It allows you to define how uh, containers, basically like Docker, Gvisor, those sorts of things, uh, are networked, right, and and how services are connected and those sorts of things. It, it's an orchestration layer, basically think of like AWS or Heroku or those sorts of things. It allow, it's the building blocks for those sorts of systems. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Bobby? It, it basically tries to make the tough ops things mm -hmm. easier, uh, is the best way to put it. Like they have a lot of streamlining of very complex automation tasks. Yeah. So for example, just initially, like they have a deployment object that can help you version your deployments. And so you don't have to worry about the nitty gritty, you basically just fill in the gaps of like what you want to run and what versions, and it will help you like make sure that like it will bring those older instances down while bringing up the newer ones and making sure that they're healthy before doing either of those operations. Yeah. So it makes difficult stuff. Easy. Did you have familiarity with Kubernetes much before digging in or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had some, uh, but I mean, five probably minutes a day or? <laughs> yeah, 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 probably five minutes a day. But Bobby and I both bought copies of Kubernetes in Action, and we sat down and we, in five minutes a day, we we learned <laughs> Kubernetes. I so. have background with distributed computing, yeah, uh, specifically like Apache Meshless stuff. And okay. so there's a lot of overlap between those systems, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then of course with a lot of the blockchain stuff that we do, it's really the same stuff, just different use. Yeah. So it's a lot of like. How do you how do you run something with Vagrant or Salt or those sort of things? Like Bobby and I both have, Bobby has done that. I've done scientific computing. Like so, we both have distributed systems background. So yeah, it's interesting. Cool. So okay, so you had these six domains or whatever that you were mm -hmm. you were going after. I mean, it sounds like you started with a threat model. Is that no? Or was that we, just so we we wanted to, and in fact, Aaron, who who is also here at, at Black Hat um, and DefCon and everything. 
Aaron uh, actually was uh, concerned at one point because I hadn't started on the threat model. Uh -huh. um, the, the, there was some back and forth on things. Trailer bits started a little bit earlier. Um, we interfaced with our, our code pen testing team uh, to get things going. But I didn't start on the threat model until much later because there were so many other things that Bobby and I were attempting to coordinate and, and Dominic, uh, yeah. who's not here, obviously. Uh, he's a great low level like pen tester. And uh, we just, there's so much stuff and getting our hands dirty on things and getting environments set up and like looking through code. Yeah. We just didn't start on the threat model. So to answer your question, um, we started on 11th of March okay. in 2019. Uh -huh. And we, I sent Aaron and Jay and Craig and Joel the final threat model copy. What, what say Thursday? Yeah. Uh, I sent it on Tuesday. <laughs> so, so you know, it was a few months. It was a few months. And, I mean, it was good. I mean, it, it it's a hard domain. There's roughly 3.7 million lines of Kubernetes. I think 1.5 were in scope. Yeah. 1.5 million lines of Kubernetes, and it's not like. 1.5 million lines in one application, you yeah. just look for all the routes. It's like, oh, this is Kubelet, and Kubelet talks to API server, and that talks to etcd, and you know, yeah. there's, there's all sorts of things in there. So it's it's highly networked, highly complex system. Yeah. So. And highly vendored. Yeah. Like, not like, yeah. as far as like vendor dependencies. Okay, right. yeah. makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 So like, you wanna run through some of the stuff that you guys found? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this, we found a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I wish I actually had What's your favorite one that we found? I mean, so personally, I know what it's Dominic's finding, yeah, the, the C group's finding. That that was some crazy stuff. Um, so Dominic basically found a, a time of check, time of use yeah. vulnerability in C groups, in, in Kubernetes handling of C groups. Okay. So C groups are like capabilities and all those sorts of things in the Linux kernel. They help you build containers. So they're the things that build containers along with namespaces and et cetera. And Dominic... Um, you can look at his notes on GitHub, yep. but Dominic is like, oh, well, there's this thing here, and it checks there, and it looks at the PID out of the proc file system, but it doesn't check that it's the same one that I gave it initially. Uh -huh. So if I change those in between, it will accidentally move me into the wrong container or C group, and now I've migrated C groups with my container. It was like, dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was like... Reading the notes is actually pretty crazy because, like, it's if you were to put it in a picture, it's like that like crazy one. It's like I managed to like pivot through this six different so the system. Like, and like the best part is, is like he spent so long working on that because it depends on time. It checks every five minutes. Yeah, and so it's you a, have yeah, the time to, it's attack. a timing attack, and yeah, so you I have see. to wait five minutes just to Two test your payload. Yeah, and so like there were times when he like I would see his like little green dot on Slack like online at like three a.m. and I yeah. knew it was because he was just <laughs> sitting there just waiting for, for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, but so. Dominic, I think that was probably my favorite find, which is funny because we had fifty-six vulnerabilities across the, the technical assessment and the the threat model. And I think Dominic's is probably my favorite. Yeah. It's probably the sexiest one. Yeah. So. And it is really interesting that you guys, like, reported the way that you did and made it public. Like, that was pretty interesting. And, you know, I was curious on, like, what, like, what was the decision? I mean, was that sort of known from the beginning you guys were going to go public with it? Uh, that was CNCF that decided that? Or? Well, so CNCF definitely wanted this to be a, they had a few different goals. The, they had the, the controls, they had the, the uh, components that they wanted to assess. But one of the other things is, and, Aaron probably said it the most succinctly. They wanted as few obvious bugs at the end of this 
right? Like stupid, obvious, facile, asinine, whatever adjective or word you want to use, bug there that other people can consume and use as a launching point to concern areas within Kubernetes itself. Okay. So it wasn't like find all the cool stuff. It was let's let's knock out as much as we can so that other people can use this and as a launching point to attack Kubernetes and make Kubernetes better for everyone as a whole. Okay. So, and so, so, so that was a lot of the, the yeah. thinking behind releasing the report Absolutely. is, hey, let's, let's lay it out there, what was done, what we looked at. Yeah. Absolutely. But at Trail of Bits, we're, we're quite familiar with like releasing yeah. reports and things like that, um, and GitHub and, and you know, uh, just open source in general. So one of the things I asked Dan is, we use GitHub for all of our coordination during assessments. I said, let's release the repository behind yeah. it. Let's everyone see me write stuff like your RC is bad and you should feel bad. Yeah. Because um, the, the audit nice Git log. I, yeah. Oh, there is definitely yeah. some fun, like, so we in, internally we use a, a Git, uh, a, an issue tag in GitHub yeah. that is, does not spark joy. Yeah. <laughs> so like if something is suspicious to us but we can't find anything there, it does not spark joy. Yep. So. I mean, yeah, it's, it's we really do take a community approach. It's like this just does not look good. Just no, like, it looks make bad. It better. <laughs> like, yeah. So we have this like very royal purple does not spark joy in GitHub. Nice. Yeah, I, like I it. literally copied to every single GitHub repo I'm in. So I'm glad you're using GitHub for that. We, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was interesting to to dive into. Yeah, I mean that's such a so the threat modeling took what. March through April, so like April, May, June, July. Well, no, so we didn't so actually five, start the threat model until we actually had delivered the technical yeah. assessment. Normally you try oh, to re reverse those, but it was like I was doing so much technical work, project management, customer relationship management, although the customer was great, there was just a lot going on. There's a lot of feedback we have to give this entire assessment. And so it, it took up a lot of time. So I committed that you can actually look on GitHub when I like feverishly wrote the threat model to start. Yep. Um, I just pushed it in at like one o'clock in the morning and then tagged Aaron and Craig and was like, here's the threat model to start. Like, yeah. And that was in June, right? It was like late May, early June. I think so. If I'm being entirely honest, like time just kind of like skewed. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things like I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like, I bet you there's an email that there's changes on some doc. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, but it was an exciting, it yeah. was like something you actually enjoyed and oh, got into. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit that kind of like that so, flow where you're just constantly. I complain, but like, it was fun. Oh, I'm like, sure. It, it's one of those things like the, the reporting was long and grueling, not because like it just wasn't fun, but because there, it was difficult to get granular enough mm -hmm. to display the issue but also lifted it up enough so that people can actually understand what the problem is. Because oh, yeah. the idea of it being a dual purpose, of like, we want it to be public, but we also want it to actually be useful, is yeah. difficult because it's like, if people want to take what we learned in it and build on it, they have to understand it. And this is a lot of complex stuff that is touching a bunch of different operations on a cluster. And so trying to get as specific as possible without losing the context is really difficult. Because we can just be like, yeah, that's the bug, but like, if you don't understand why that matters, it's really tough to contextualize that and like build on it later on. April 13th was the initial commit of the threat model. I was just, oh. now that we have it public, I can yeah. that sort of stuff. That, 
that was like three days before we had like moved back the timelines. Yeah. And I remember that because like we were planning on doing stuff for my birthday and then like we then no longer did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an impactful project. It's like, yeah. you know, if, you, if someone came to you and was like, hey, can you do a, a technical assessment, threat model, and white paper of Linux? Yeah. yeah, or Windows. It, like, pick an operating system. Like, look at the scheduler, the memory allocator, and the like, the process executor for Linux, and give us a threat model on that. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, this not, is pretty impactful. Yeah. Not only that though, but like, we knew it was going to be rough because oh, like, it was a tough timeline. Yeah. When we like, if you just look at the scope of like what Kubernetes can do, and considering like almost every attribute of it within scope, it's like, where do you even begin? Yeah. Right. Like. And that was one of the toughest parts was like the first few weeks it was like, you know, we had to meet with uh, the client to make sure it's like, what types of things do you actually care about? Mm -hmm. like, and they were just like, well, just go. <laughs> like, and we were like, okay, like, but what? And yeah. then we were like, just do it. And so like, we had a tough time initially trying to like start getting a footing and like identifying like what type of issues are common in the repositories. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was rough. Well, and also you have to remember the, the things that are most vulnerable to that red teamers would look at or that you would be worried about as a blue teamer is, am I running Helm? Am I using Brigade? Yeah, are there yeah. any of the leaks from Helm and Brigade there? Are like, is my etcd configured correctly? Like, that's the thing that like Ian Coldwater's talk, many of the defaults of Kubernetes are problematic. And f for us, that was out of scope. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, we start there and now in, in the threat modeling side, there was a, a gentleman who wrote a thesis on threat modeling Kubernetes yeah. for the Swedish police academy. And he was like, these are all the control families that I found are problematic. So like as a threat modeler, it's like the worst thing you want to go in there. And they're like, by the way, authentication is broken and we know that. And you're like, oh, all right. Well, I guess I won't okay. ask That's about right. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you already know. Yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, uh, okay. Uh, okay. So we really did go in there wondering, like, are we going to come out with anything in the threat model? Anything in that? Like, it, it could have just been a bunch of like, yeah. Well, we ran stuff and nothing looked bad. <laughs> this is what we did. Yeah. So and it was that was honestly like the scariest part for me. Yeah. It was like, what if we roll out of it with no findings? And yeah. it's written like, by smart people. It's not yeah. like. Like I know it's an open source project, but like the backers are Red Hat and Google and you know Heroku and uh, like you know these are not like these are not schlub companies. Like these are like serious programmers doing serious programmer things. Yeah, you know, and and then like hey go go look and find some bugs. Yeah. It'll be fine. That's intimidating. It's always yeah, hard. It's a, it's yeah. A, that's a different level. Like yeah, I, I mean, most of the stuff I, I know from like a consulting perspective that I look at is not yeah, it's professional developers, but it's not the level of the guys no. that are doing. They're they're not building operating systems. They're not you know no. it's it, it's the it's programming guys, is programming. Right? It's, it's right? people that can you know. Yeah. It's just you know, but programming is programming. Like, oh, it you're is. You're gonna make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, period. for, for I mean, sure. It, and there's just such weird edge cases. You can't always you just can't always prepare for everything. So it's like gonna happen that's why we have jobs and we'll always have jobs but yeah. it, it was funny though like when because i during the threat model i got to speak with some of the people behind it and like i'm talking with uh, tim hawkins who who works on kube proxy and he it's just like i'm not good with security i'm really great with networking and i was like okay and he's like these are all the things that i think are wrong with kube proxy and these are all the things that i think we should discuss so i was like 
That sounds great. Like, yeah. Let's start with those. <laughs> let's, let's start with <laughs> like, yeah. like, can you just copy those? Yeah. Really quick? I mean, well, you know? I mean, so yeah. a lot of the RAs that you'll see in the, the Kubernetes document, like uh, GitHub repo, is just me feverishly typing while these extremely smart people are like telling me things. And I'm like, yes, please keep singing. Like, that's, <laughs> that's actually a good point. Specifically, like, these are all the things that we see wrong with it. Because specifically with Dominic's finding, we actually tracked down a GitHub issue. Oh yes, that's right. Of someone who saw like this file was not found, like, and it was all over their logs, and that was the file it depended on. Oh, yeah. Wow, nice. um, and so, like, but it was closed because of inactivity. And no, one, yeah, and, like it was never fixed. And so, so it happened to them once, and then it right. never happened again. And so they're like, "Oh, can, right. you, sh can you show us what happened?" Yeah. And yeah. you well, can't prove it because it's the timing thing. And Dominic's exactly. like very sat there and just you know. Yeah, and so that was really interesting because, like, theoretically, had they actually investigated that that like GitHub report, they would have avoided that finding, of course, because it was directly related. Mm -hmm. um, so interesting. Well, and it, like, I mean, what, what you guys are going back to about talking to like the client about what what their concerns are. Right? I know we talk about this in the Secure yeah. Interview course all the time. We it's, also talked about going on GitHub and searching issues. Yeah, yeah, issues yeah, yeah. Get, get log, you know, the issues that already exist. But if you ask people, like the developers typically, especially like the, the senior level developers, they know that the shit is broken, right? Yeah, they, they know do. there's something there. They know there's yeah. something there. They may not know how to exploit it, but if you ask them, they point you in that direction every single time. Yeah, it's nothing more than just intuition from like, I'm building crypto. Or, you know, or like yeah. not building crypto, but yeah, I'm, I'm implementing crypto or I'm doing something. Like, I yeah. know just from an intuition standpoint, it probably needs somebody to take a look at it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, like when we were talking with the NCD folks, like, they're like, yeah, we know we don't do this, we don't do that. That's the, and they had a basic understanding of what they were protecting against, like what threats they were concerned about. Yeah. And, and developers very frequently do. They know what yeah. they're, they're writing for and things like that. It's just no one has voiced or actualized a lot of those sorts of things for them or concretized those sorts of things for them mm -hmm. so it, it i mean it was it was a fascinating assessment it was a, it, like a bunch of really smart people and then me i brought my good looks and boyish charm yes yeah, obviously right. obviously you know? yeah what's funny is jerry had made a comment so we, uh, jerry gamblin had made a comment um just a little while ago he was like asking you guys who helped what PR, what PR firm helped write it? Help write it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so huge compliment. Yeah, which yeah. is funny because the the way that the threat model worked is I wrote it feverishly, and Bobby worked with Dominic very heavily, but Bobby took lead on the white paper, and then Bobby and I muscled the technical report. So it was like, you know, it was just Bobby and I writing and then <laughs> critiquing and and working on paragraphs over and over again. Yeah. Oh man. So like I guess it. we did good. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are starting a PR firm? Is that <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, you know? I mean, if the, if, the, if the security stuff doesn't work out, yeah, right? exactly. You may have I mean, a, a new. What's better than my other career? Yeah. I will. <laughs> I will give a massive shout out to our copywriter. Yeah, Mike. Mike Russell. He because I feel so bad for this because I realized that I owe him a lot of whiskey. We. <laughs> we rolled up yes the good to stuff. him like two weeks before we were supposed oh to yeah so that was the other the thing it was like report. two weeks before two, two weeks before. Six well, those, <laughs> no, no, so this is what was funny is we were like hey by the way the kubernetes report is going out you need to review this and we we're like we finally got a date we're, we're going yep. to release it like and he's like oh that's great when is it and I'm like oh it's it's like 
we need it done by Friday. <laughs> and, so, and then he, he, he finishes on Friday, and I was like, hey, could you look at the threat model? And he's like, I didn't look at the threat model. Right yeah. Where's this? And they're like, oh, no, that's a separate room. Like, he, he legitimately went through, I think, almost 200 pages, if not more, worth yeah. of content, and copy edited that, like, Without prior knowledge, I, it's a hundred. Like, so our stuff is like 188 yeah. pages worth of, of technical material. Yeah, you know. Wow. Yeah, so. I, I really feel bad for that one because like it wasn't even on the top of my mind. Like, to, oh, like maybe we should like throw this past yeah. him as we're going. Yeah. But like we were in, it, we were writing, we, we were writing so moment. much stuff yeah. that like I don't feel like it would have even been useful for him to yeah. like review it sequentially because like it would be one of those things where like I would write the executive part and I'd be like hey Stefan can you look at this and it's like that seems a little aggressive and yeah. it's just like yeah you're right delete <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah yeah so, I reviewed a lot of stuff that just ended up getting wiped out or changed yeah. well I, I mean it's it's like it, just because it is public it's a different yeah. it's a different audience oh right? yeah well that's like, a, that's the thing that's, that's, like yeah. you know being like being a little yeah. aggressive when it's somebody that you really know and you're like hey yeah. Guess what? This is this is crap. Like you need to go fix it is one thing, and especially if it's internal to them. But if it's going out to a wider audience, you've got to take that into account. And, and Bobby, I, like aggressive, it's it's not necessarily like calling them out or like saying like this is good, this is bad. It's 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 the balance. It's like we understand why you did this. You done but fucked you up. Shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, we we get it. Like it, it's not one of those things. It's like you did this thing wrong and you should feel bad for it. It's like. Don't look you at my GitHub issues, though, because I said well, that. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, that's more like us fucking around. Like, yeah, that's no, not, it's yeah. not, like... It's not going... But Bobby and I have yeah. experience from this because it's, Trailer Bits works in the blockchain space quite a bit, and many of our customers publish their reports. So if you go to our GitHub repo, there's a publication section, and there's our reports, and they have both Bobby and I's name. But that's like, you know, Paxos is one that Bobby and I worked on together, and client public report, you can go read what we wrote. Like... Yep. That's that's an exchange. If you're if you're working in crypto, you know, in cryptocurrencies, you know what Paxos is, right? Yeah. It's not Kubernetes, which yeah. is like, and, yeah. and not a knock against the Paxos team. They did great work. Yep. All of our clients have, but like Kubernetes is so impactful. So everything you write is going to be read. There's going to be someone who's going to hate yeah. you on Twitter yeah. and yep. complain about your stupidity and how asinine and how you didn't know what you're doing and all this sort of stuff. And which is you know yeah. completely reasonable. But it's a public report of yeah. a massive critical infrastructure component. Yeah. So it's it, you know it was a lot. It got some. It got some attention. It got some attention. It did. People people fully stood up. And Is it mostly attention. positive? I mean, so publicly it's mostly positive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I oh, publicly, okay. I want to hear this caveat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so your DMs are blowing up. No, uh, my DMs are not blowing up. I mean, I do think, and I think rightfully so. There were some people who were interested in doing it who had more direct Kubernetes experience. Sure. Um, we came into it with a much more blank slate. Trail of Bits works in a very different world for many security companies, as I've said on the podcast many times before. Sure. Like. So we, we do different things, but I think at the end of the day, we brought my threat modeling experience and boyish good boyish looks. looks. <laughs> um, and then all of the other things, as well as working with our partners and a great scope from our client, like we, we did bring an interesting side that is not like, you know, the usual network pen test sort of stuff. No, it's no, far removed from normal yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. I honestly feel like 
that was a good thing was to Absolutely. come into it unbiased because I feel like it would have been really, really, really difficult to come in having already known the system extremely well to actually know where to look. Yeah. Um, because after reading the book, like, uh, or not just the book, but like the documentation and everything, like when you have a complete understanding of what it should do, you're already biased because you know what it should do. Um, and so like looking at it and going like, well, is this how this works? Because like I made it do something it wasn't supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well, what you, is it supposed right, to do? Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> you, you go through and you learn and you define that, and then you try to find other options. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for like what you could use it for. So like, there are certain things like at least from my notebook that like I plan on following up on because like there are like design design decisions that they chose right. that like to me is kind of sketchy, but like it's on the design level it's not even on the implementation level yeah, right. and so coming at it without like bias is kind of important and I think that's really important for others who are like coming in and like you know oh they release this report well I don't know Kubernetes it's like good read it compare it build on it because like that's exactly yeah. what you need to do well I mean one of the one of the findings that we we had was there's a broad class of integer parsing bugs in Kubernetes okay and some of them lead to DOSs, some of them lead to nothing just but crashes, and that's how Go handles things and it's fine. But there's just a, there was like a endemic problem of integer part, like integer parsing, just like, oh, I need a 32-bit signed integer and I'm reading it from a 32-bit unsigned integer and not realizing that those two are very different things. And it's many different people, it's not like one yeah. person yeah. did this, but it's just like when you have many cooks, you end up in this sort of situation where it's like, you know, yeah, you got a bunch of collaborators. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's not defined like when they started. Hey, right. this is how we're using integers, right? I mean, and they probably didn't even think about it at the time, right? So you can see how it happens, right? But well, yeah. the other interesting thing that most people don't know is that Kubernetes was originally written in Java. Yeah. Well, so, we should we should go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and uh, so the the style of programming, I have concerns. <laughs> the style of programming that Kubernetes uses, it's it's clearly written in Go, but there, there's a joke that it's actually written in Goava, like it's written in this Java style of Go. So there are certain design decisions that are made that reflect some of its past, and people are moving beyond it now. There's a lot of a lot of movement to separate things out and whatnot, but it's. It's interesting to see all the different directions and choices that Kubernetes made them. So I thought some of your findings were hilarious in the repo because they weren't all just like blatant security issues. Some of them I had read a couple, and some of them were just like, "This code seems bad." Like that. <laughs> so some of it was just like, "This doesn't seem like it should work like this at all." Yeah. Maybe not a, a huge security concern. It's just like a slop. Actually, one of them actually had said um, this was already written using some, like some library that I think it already included or something like that. And you guys yeah. are like, why don't you just use that? It's yeah. like, oh, so there's a GitHub issue from when Bobby and I were first starting and Dominic were looking at it. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, like, alas, poor Yurik, like, wherefore art thine, like, user agents, because there is nine? I think nine. There's like nine, ten, something like that different user agent construction <laughs> yeah. functions in Kubernetes. And they're all mutually exclusive. They do different things. They generate different user agents, not on purpose. Like it wasn't intended to be that way. It was just someone was in their package. They needed to issue an HTTP request. So they're like, I'll write a user agent generator. And it was like, 
But there is one. Yeah. <laughs> or like, or like or there's DN- eight others. Or right? like yeah. enforcing like DNS rules. Oh, that like, was like that was fun DNS too. naming. Yeah, specifically, like yeah. you would see just like random implementations of the same thing, just yeah. different logic, just everywhere. Well, because it's many different programmers trying to yeah, solve so a problem. Stuff like that gives me hope. Whenever I'm doing an assessment and I start to see like things like that, I start to realize like, oh, there's probably other stuff here that's yeah. actually a security concern. So like, that's a really, I like that you guys noted that. I like that that was written down. Also, made well, a point like, to yeah, call it out. E- even the even the this looks suspicious. Yeah, stuff. Like, we have that in our notes all the time. I know when I'm doing a code review, that's like one of the, you know, I'm going through, I'm like, this may not be a vulnerability, but damn, what's going on here, right? Yeah. Like, I, like, if I have like another... Like, one step from it. Yeah, 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 one yeah. step from it, and somebody may be able to do something here, so actually calling it out and turning it in, because I don't know if I, we necessarily do that. I, I mean, from no, a yeah, perspective, like, I don't turn that yeah. over a lot of times, yeah. because it's yeah. like, hey, I wasn't actually able to exploit this, and you already got, like, 15 things that you got to take care of, so right. maybe I'll just leave this one for now. For my side, as a blue te- blue teamer, I do, but yeah. as a consultant, no. Yeah. No, that's not really and, and It's a hard judgment call to make, right? Yeah. So we actually make that judgment call a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. We do we a lot. We actually normally have an appendix for code quality. Yeah. Um, Trailbits is big about that. We, we, we do that specifically because if it's difficult for us to read, it's going to be difficult for you to maintain. Yeah. yeah. That's um, a good point. So if it takes us like super long or like there's some like weird little aspect that like has us sitting there for a while, yeah. normally we try to figure out like, well, okay, if we can't exploit it, well, how can we at least make it easier for other people to read? Yeah. Um, because like that is just as important because a lot of times like those are the components that like no one really understands it, they just know it works and they build on it. Mm-hmm. And then some time like later on down the road they modify it everything else still works yeah. but now there's an edge case yeah oh yeah um yeah. and so it's small things like that it's not just like protecting you like at the point in time in which we do the assessment because that's really what we do it's building on that later on and building like you should build on a good foundation versus just like saying oh well we'll fix those bugs and move on yeah. So. Yeah, the technical debt is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not going to go away if you don't address it. And it's nice that you guys do market that or like do annotate that so that it does get addressed. It's, it's, yeah, it's well, unique. And I, I would also say to kind of like finalize that side is the number of times I have messaged Stefan this random code for no reason, <laughs> just like detailing, like, this is why I, I think it's weird. Time. Like, this is why I think it's weird, and, like, all this other stuff. And then, like, he'll come out in, in left field and go, like, did you even notice the fact that they're just, like, arbitrary, arbitrarily parsing, like, user input? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, oh. no, actually. I didn't. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. And, like, there's the finding. Yeah. And it's just like, I was, like, six levels deep and, like, missing it right in front of me. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's great. That's why you should pair so. with people. I, like, I'm trying to get better at it and, like, make sure that I do schedule time to pair with people when I do reviews, but I I, pl- I do believe in that for that reason. That Also, like, when you're brainstorming risks, like, when oh, we, yeah. when we yeah. talk about it a bit, like, when you're brainstorming risks and just, like, like you said, kind of building a profile that's yeah. from an outsider perspective of what it's supposed to do, what it shouldn't be able to do, right? you know, all, all, the, all the stuff that you're kind of filling in. Um, you have two sets of eyes, and you're going to, like, think of different attack scenarios than, like, Absolutely. each other would, so. Group chat. Absolutely is by yes. far, like, GitHub issues reflect a lot of it, yeah. but that's reflecting what we found and what we're like, this is sketchy, yeah. versus, like, what we were actually working on, and if that makes sense. So yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, we'll go through and file tickets. But when we're actually working through it, we're in GitHub, and we're, like, pasting snippets of code, and we're just like, 
you know, I wonder if this works this way under this constraint. And then we test it. And then it's like, oh no, that doesn't work. And then like, cause like we have some people who like weren't a part of the assessment, like just watching the like channel and they would like DM us. Cause like some of them are kind of shy about like getting yeah, into it. Of course. Yeah. But it's like, they'll DM and they're just like, so I think you could actually do this. Yeah. And like, yeah. Like, we can. and you're just like, oh, I never thought of that. And yeah. like, you'll go back and you'll test and you're just like, that actually worked. Like, that's fantastic. So it's like, even if you're not a part of the assessment, you can still be a part of that code review as long as you're verbose enough in that channel. Yeah. And like, I feel like that is just as important because like, like you said, it's difficult to get people in because like they have to be there watching. Yeah. But like in a group chat, you can hop in and especially with like, I'm, I'm going to plug it a little bit, like Slack is amazing for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. like, if you thread, like people can hop in and thread specific messages and be like, I think you could use this. And we're not cluttering the people who are working the assessment in that channel. Yeah, no, big slow. Love Slack. Yeah, big fan. The, the other problem is too, though, is that Go does not have amazing security. There's no <laughs> like security tooling. Like in Rust, I'm going to hit like Tony Arcieri's like uh, Rust audit, Cargo audit, sorts of stuff. You know Rust Tony, right? Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I know that. He's I'm not just buttering up all the GitHub people. No, no, no. He's a great. He's a great guy. <laughs> Seriously, ridiculous. He's super smart. awesome. But like in Rust, I'd hit, I know I'm going to hit, okay, I have Rust sex cargo audit, I have these sorts of checks. In Go, it's like, how do I check what dependencies we're using? It's like, well, it depends on how they're using <laughs> their dependencies. And like, yeah. good fucking luck, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, what version of Go are they running? Yeah, Because absolutely. then they like include a new one. It's not just Go get, it's yeah. like Go mod. And like, that's an entirely different way of handling dependencies. And they, but there's still no data, like SNCC, however you pronounce that. Snake, whatever, whatever. Uh, snake.io they have a really great repo similar to DevCheck but it's not it's not open source so if you don't have you know if you don't do the work of literally looking through and comparing stuff it, it's difficult yep. so yeah I'd ghost tooling say, is, is hard yeah I'd also say like that cascades to the static and oh, yeah. dynamic stuff too like so they have a very good debugger for when you develop your system to easily be debugged um, but that's not the case for trying to actually test as like a security person because yeah. like a lot of times you're trying to test against like release builds. Mm -hmm. Like you might be able to like look at the code and be like, ah, I think this might work. But like there are some subtle things that will like be fundamentally different in those builds. And it's specifically because of like debug flags. Oh like, yeah. And like that will bite you in the ass. <laughs> well, yeah. Bobby and I were on a, a blockchain assessment with Michael, one of our coworkers, and it was written in Go. And we had three people on the assessment, <laughs> and we had three completely different builds of, of the project, and we couldn't figure out how to get oh them to build. And what was worse is that Bobby and Michael couldn't uh, get it to work with Simlinks. And I'm like, yeah. what are you guys talking about? I have no issue with Sim like the entire project <laughs> that we were on. I'm like, I have everything Simlinked, and it's perfectly fine. And Bobby's like, no, the code literally prohibits Simlink here. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's working. You know, yeah. Go is building it, so like, it, it's fine. Yeah, like it the was, dependency manager like legitimately had an issue and like the maintainer was just like, yeah, no, symlinks are hard. We're not gonna do this. Yeah, <laughs> and I was and so like, he, like, he highlighted the code and I was like, I was like so frustrated at this point because like it was like day two and I still just couldn't get it to build. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's frustrating. And like, and yeah, like it's the non-sexy part of it, but it's like, you learn so much from that alone that you also know where to look for. I didn't learn anything because I ran LN-S and it worked fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I managed to like fork through like 
GitHub issues that yeah. were like years old, and like, yeah. yeah. It's amazing how many times we end up going back to GitHub, <laughs> not for our own assessment, but just like going through an open source project and it's like, huh, well, what issues do you see with this yeah. thing? I mean, that's, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but it's definitely something you and I have talked about um, to other people, like in our courses and just publicly about like the whole Golang pulling independencies from like, yep. like GitHub, for instance. And then there have been situations in the past, like where someone, you know, gave up the name of the org. And, and so someone claimed that org made that repo. And now the pull dependency that's being pulled in is from this somebody who's like hijacked a, a basically a repository path um, that you're, you specify in your, mm -hmm. your Golang packaging. So it's like, I don't know that I love that. The fact that you can just like yeah, point so to a GitHub or like, you know, any Git repo will say, right? That is so important because that actually cascades to the language or like the applications that are built on the languages. Of course. Because Kubernetes, like kubectl actually allows you to specify a URL to pull a configuration and push it to your cluster. And yeah, we found Yeah, we well, found a vulnerability in it that allowed us to basically like DOS like the user. It would OOM their machine. Oh. Um, yeah, and that was really scary because I was not first of all, I was not expecting that to work. I was I was like, like I was I, I, literally, I, I spun up I spun up uh, like a Python simple server and just like made a massive file and I was like maybe if I just try to pull it down, it crashed the simple server so that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. But like so I pulled down Flask, built like a basic little app and like pointed at it and I did this from one of my control plane nodes and it crashed that and it you want to brought explain down what a control plane is? Yeah, so it's basically like the, the Good job. Yeah, thank you. It's like the brain of the cluster. So like it, it holds all the super sensitive stuff, like normally SED um, would run on it. If you have like a basic three node cluster and you only have one worker node that's like running your containers and stuff. Um, the other two would be running SED and then um, uh, API server, API server, the controllers, the schedulers, yeah. that type of stuff. So it's like if those things go down, like your cluster starts to not work. Yeah. Um, so, like I ran it from that because that's where my keys were, and it ended up like disconnecting me from SSH. Like everything just like died and I was like I thought that I had found some sort of like weird edge case with the deployment like oh. once it got onto the cluster it like it, it was down. crashing yeah right and then I was like but wait like this is weird because it's not doing that to any other machine other than the one that I'm running it on right yeah and so I basically exported the keys like spun up another VM and ran it from that one and it crashed that one yeah um and I was like oh this is bad and, oh. then, and, then, oh. and then like the basics came back to me and I was like, wait, we're pulling it from like an arbitrary URL. They're not validating, like they're not yeah. yelling at us for not using HTTPS, yeah. like, like yeah. all this other stuff. And I'm just like, we have so many problems here. Yeah, but like yeah. I was so deep into it that like I, I forgot the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's something that's really important to highlight is like a lot of people will see a lot of like crazy bones and like people will, like write crazy blog posts. And then if you actually like look at the top of it, it's like, what's the entry point? It's like, oh, some random URL. They're not even checking if there's HTTPS, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. basics. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, like the issue with like the domains, exactly. Like, you know, people will take the domain and if that happens to be something that like a production cluster is referencing, yeah. that's really scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, so. it is. Yeah. when, when <laughs> we found that and when we found the, uh, the pod, you can, there's, a, there's like a keep alive 
and it doesn't check that the pod is actually the one with the keep alive. It could be any arbitrary URL. <laughs> yeah. oh, so Bobby, that Bo one. <laughs> so so Bobby was like, well, you know, what would you do? And I was like, is there anything that's a get request in Kubernetes yeah. that modifies state from the cube scheduler? And we like went tearing yeah. through all of the HTTP requests in Kubernetes because we were like, we're gonna find one that's that allows us to do yeah. something, and we're gonna set. The keep alive point that just hit that thing the entire yeah. time, and there was there well, so was some stuff like that. We but didn't it was even like, need that though. Because, oh, of like, course, we, 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 we were like, later. let's lift it out because like we're able to specify arbitrary endpoints. Yeah, and so my first thought was and and headers it, yeah. and authorization headers too. Yeah. if yeah. you only have like access to the Kubernetes cluster, you don't have access to the hosts, right? Well, well, <laughs> asterisk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because asterisk. actually, like. Because you're running the probe from the kubelet, which is like the binary running on the host, you're running from the host. You're yeah. not in the container. And so you can specify arbitrary hosts, and if it comes back as okay, you know that host's up. Yeah. Okay. And you just keep doing that. Oh, yeah. nice. And so you can basically use it as like a Boolean up-down to identify other areas in infrastructure Imports, that Imports, everything. Yeah. Basically yeah. scanning, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It, it actually would come back with like, it failed to connect, or it failed to speak a protocol I understood, right. or like it was it was granular enough that we could do basically and that bounce scans right. from because, Kubernetes pod deployments. Uh -huh. Yeah, and because yeah. only the pods that successfully contacted that host would actually um, spin up, you could basically launch a ton of them at the same time with like no resources allocated to it, and it would just sit there scanning. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's SSRF is like a thing. I mean, it's basically SSR scanning through SSRF. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, that was such there a... was there was that uh, Pavel PDP. He used to go by, uh, and he had that like JavaScript uh, image tag scanner, like way back that's when. Right. That yeah. was like yeah, yeah. it would like hit every control, host. It was like yeah. I'm going to set an image tag to like. 192.168, you know, 0 0.1, port 80. Yeah. And like, does it, res like, because the, the DOM would res respond at the time. And it was like, We've that's how. about that bone before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it's game. I forget yeah, what it's called. Yeah, because Beef does it, right? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beef project, you can, you can scan. Yeah. Those sorts of bounce I mean, it uses, stuff. yeah, it uses, I think, just XML HTTP requests or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But the image one is always fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait for those old timeouts. School. That's old school. That was the original way, right? Yeah. But yeah, it was just it, like Kubernetes has a lot of things, and the other thing too is that it's it's meant that you see it from kubectl. It's a command line right. control. It's not meant for like it, they have no controls purposefully to prevent someone who's gotten onto the host network and now can run through it. It's like asking yeah. Linux, like, well, what do you do to prevent someone from running like exe And it's like, well. Nothing. That's Don't. what it's supposed to fucking do. Like yeah. you've got, yeah. to, be able, you've got like, to be able to execute, right? right. Like, yeah. Like how do you do this? System. You know. Yep. Yeah. So Kubernetes has. It's an interesting thing because it's like it's literally RCE as a service. Like run this entire operating system yeah. for me. Yeah. Like and include this code that you can't trust. And by the way, also figure out how to make sure that it doesn't touch anyone else. Yep. And good luck. Godspeed. God, Godspeed. You know, so is that, I mean, that the last like, line in the report? Yeah, it should, <laughs> yeah. Good it should have just been its own page. Yeah. It was just like, good luck and Godspeed. Godspeed. There you go. You know? No, I mean, it was great. The, the customer was great, or customers were great. Everything was really good. Which know? I feel like we should probably mention is that, like, Google, um, I mean, you've got a good relationship. It's not like, um, you know, it's not like uh, anyone's 
upset it seems like about it. There's more like, thank you. No, yeah. All these well, so Google has GKE. Um, you know, Heroku uses it internally, I, I believe. You know, like it, it's part of their like part of their process. There's a few like Ian works at Heroku, right? Yeah, yeah Ian Coldwater. So. Uh, like there, there's Kubernetes knowledge at Heroku. Um, you know, Red Hat, who is also there, Joel sits on the product security board. Um, he, like, you know, he's he's literally, he's there to help us, but he's also clearly looking at it from origin and yeah. Red Hat and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, these are big names in, in these sorts of things, you know, yeah. like, it's not like a, a small customer came and asked us to review their Kubernetes deployment. It was like, you know, yeah. this is how GCP or GKE or whatever, like, uses Kubernetes, like, yeah. 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 Um, have there been changes since the... There's quite a few. There's quite a few issues that are out there, yeah. like it, GitHub issues, uh, Tim Alclair. Uh, so one of the things that we found was that Kubernetes disables seccomp profiles for many mm -hmm. things. Okay. So seccomp is a syscall filter, there's a whole bunch Ooh. of stuff. And Tim actually had opened an issue as a part of the thing in the report, and it was like, just make it at parity with Docker. That's all we asked for in the report. Yeah, yeah. We weren't trying to be more restrictive. It was just like, make it like Docker. So yeah, I'm, at the very least, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to highlight that because it's really easy to look at that and go like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's just an institute default. But I kind of want to highlight the fact that if you read the background behind why they made that the default, that's actually really important because from my understanding of the issues, at least that I had seen when I was going through the GitHub repository and all that other stuff, they made seccomp off by default because they didn't want to break existing workloads that people had already deployed when upgrading. Yeah. And that's something really important to highlight because it's like, you have to keep that in mind when you're developing the feature in the beginning because you have to make sure that people are able to upgrade in a way that doesn't ex affect their existing workloads that heavily, but also doesn't make it so you have to make that an insecure default. Um, and if anything, I would take the side of like, you should have the secure by default, even if it breaks stuff, mm -hmm. because it's easier to bring it back down than it is to add it yourself. But it's hard to sell that. Right. And so yeah. I totally understand why they ended right. up in the situation that they were in. Totally. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the idea of like, oh, well, seccomp, like the default profile can like break a bunch of stuff. Like I get that, but at the same time, it's like, that's not really something that's offloaded to that project as much as it is off to the people upgrading. Because like, you're trying to baby them and right. that's not really what you should do. You should basically help them like go, this is possibly going to break the workloads. Here's how to avoid that. And right. so, like, migration instructions are super important because if you don't have that, then, like, there's a possibility of, like, oh, well, we're just going to make this an insecure default so it doesn't break existing things and, like, we can just get this pushed out. Right. And, like, speed versus, like, putting effort in to make sure that people are safe is important, especially in open source projects this big and this critical because people's production environments are sitting on this. And I found that by accident. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I was going through and I was like, I was, I was wondering like why something was working, yep. not the opposite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there were a number in this sort of threat model is, is something that Bobby and I noticed just by reading the documentation. There's a line in the, in the networking documentation that's like, 
Um, if you want to apply a network policy, make sure you're using a CNI that uh, enforces network policy. And I was like, wait, so I can choose a CNI that doesn't enforce network policy? Yeah, now, if you're not familiar with Kubernetes, network policy can be like, oh, like you shouldn't have port 80 open to the world. Yeah. So there are there are configurations of Kubernetes where it's like I wrote a firewall and it's like you wrote one, it's not being used because you're you're using a CNI uh, that yeah. doesn't enforce firewall rules or yep. you know this pod can talk to that pod and it's like well actually any pod can talk to any anyone pod. because like yeah. we don't we don't do that and it's just yeah. you know it's there's so many components there's so many menu options and they're trying to it's again like Linux. And then going to Linux and being like, well, why did you choose that for the, the TCP IP stack? It's yeah. like, did we have to support a lot of different options, right? Like, and you know? Yeah, those options too. So something that was pretty interesting to me and like, so the first finding in the report, I agonized over for the longest time because I was trying to build something, or I was trying to build the POC so that I had one that didn't work and then I had one that did work. Oh yeah. Right. So that I can show the before and the after. And I was sitting there and I was wondering. I kept defining my pods, my uh, pod security policy, over and over and over again, removing everything, adding it again. I remember what, this. It, it, I could not get it to fail until I read. Note: You must have this admission controller enabled for pod security policies to work, and that required literally like changing the settings of the binary running. So like I had to go in and like change the configuration flags provided and when I was running it yeah. across everything. Yeah. And then it finally took effect. But like get good luck getting anyone to, to, well, to and, go to those lengths right. at all. Like, but ever. This, you don't run it that way. Yeah. I couldn't get my exploit to fail. It was working every time. And so the issue is, is if you don't test the opposite of what you're doing on the cluster, like it's very possible that it might not be taking the effect that you want it to do. Yeah. Like, and that's why it's like, you can always prove the positive because that's easy, it works. But like trying to prove the negative is really tough sometimes because like you have to have that example right. to prove negative. Um, and you have to verify that it's actually proving the negative. Mm -hmm. um, so like that, that just goes back. I mean, it, like when we're starting to talk about like commonalities with other platforms and things like that, it, that totally makes me think of AWS and like mm -hmm. their, their like WAF implementation, right? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, go enable WAF Shield, right? So I, I was looking at it for a customer like recently, and I'm like, oh, sweet, you've got CloudFront, you got WAF, and you know the, the Shield, good. it should be good. And then I start going and looking at them, like the policies are all like, oh, we just want to make sure that the egress is going out through our proxy. Like, there was nothing else in, like, yeah. most of the policies. I'm like, this is not a WAF, boys, right? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I know that the compliance team told you this is great and you enabled the WAF, but, you know, if you're not actually checking anything. So it sounds very similar, right? It's oh, the same yeah, sort exactly. of thing. No one went in and proved that the, the, you know, yeah. that positive was happening, right? Right. And it's, it's scary to think about because, like, uh, the idea behind the entire thing is automation. And that automation is often tested rather, like whether or not it works or not, yeah. not the other way. Yeah. And so like, we actually had reported this and we were like, look, like we need at least a warning saying like this isn't taking effect because yeah. X, Y, Z, like, because that should be apparent to an administrator. Otherwise, like you're gonna look at it, oh, it's there, it's working. Well, but like not not really. Yeah. <laughs> it not actually, really, though. If you if you do cuddle apply the pod security policy or, or a network policy for things, it'll just say like accepted. Yeah. It was great. There's no problem. 
and it it only errors out when there's a parsing failure. Mm -hmm. So it's like unless or parsing you, or validation yeah, or yeah. validation, right? So if you go through those things, you can set up a perfect policy that does literally nothing yeah. to Kubernetes, nothing. I mean, it'll accept it. Sure, it'll accept yeah, it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, no. Like seriously, it's like right. Security groups for you know Amazon. Oh very, yeah, it's very similar, right? You know? Yeah, it's really scary because like when you think of the idea of like you can create a cluster for like a bunch of teams to use and share. Like that's really scary because like how restricted are those teams actually? Like what what controls are in place to keep them from like messing with each other? You might think that like you have this control in place, and when you check, it's there. But does it actually take effect? Yeah. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Sounds sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Well, guys, I, I mean, we've been going for an hour. So yeah. I mean, we hit an hour. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> six, 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 six minutes. Wow. We really that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Amazing. But that was crazy. That was so much. That well, was a it, lot of yeah. I mean, you know, like congrats on the report. Yeah. Right? Like, it's 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 pretty awesome. Like we, we will post it along with the. With the podcast, and yeah, you know, we, can get there. we can upload this as soon as we edit it. Yeah, yeah. So. you should leave the, the beginning too. Yeah, yeah, we're just <laughs> messing it up. Maybe we'll have a bloopers reel for yeah, that exactly. one. <laughs> anyway, cool. Well, thanks for everybody for joining us. So, oh, we'll uh, where, where can they oh, contact you? You all, yeah, like, yeah, I know uh, your Twitter handles. I know your logical L O J I K. Hello, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were there. You were like yeah, yeah. all the way there, Almost and then there. you forgot yeah. on that. No, 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 I didn't forget. I just <laughs> was like, you know, why am I spelling this out? <laughs> You're like on the yeah. I, though. But since we're <laughs> spelling yours yeah. out, let's yeah. Bobby, what is yours? Mine is Bobby Tables with a zero and a three for me. Okay. Oh, Dude, that's yes. sweet. Yes, yes. Sweet. I'll make sure that I get that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get both of those in there. But uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, follow us on Twitter or find us at DEF CON if you're listening or here. And we'll see everybody online. Yes, thank you guys. Appreciate it.